My name is Sean Nepstad. My wife and I pastor this great group of people called Fellowship Church. And if you're new around here, you're going to learn two words that we say a lot. It's the two words God's given us. Help me say it, everybody. Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. We believe that's all found in Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to help people do. We want to help them find that and see that and live that out for their life. And we had such an incredible week last week. That was the first Sunday of the year. Get this. Get ready to clap. We had 202 people join the church last year in step one of our growth track. Isn't that great, everybody? That's a lot of people. So welcome to everybody that's joining the church and uh, coming back and finishing the growth track today. It's a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really excited about this message today. I feel like the Lord gave us a series entitled Deja New. Not Deja Vu, but Deja New because God wants to do a new thing in your life. That you don't have to repeat the, the same year as last year, but you can have something brand new. Today, I'd like you to ask, to ask you to grab your notes, grab your pens out, and uh, I want to pray, and then we're going to jump right into part two of Deja New. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your amazing love, that you accept us right where we are, but Lord, you love us too much to let us stay that way, and you're going to work in us and challenge us today. And, Thank you for your grace, your power, and your strength to do everything that you've called us to do, that we're not alone. We're never alone, but you are here with us, and we love you. In Jesus' name, somebody say a good amen. How many know that there's nothing like a good, brand new pair of shoes? Any shoe fanatics out there, wave at me, wave at me, come on. Love shoes. The shoes I'm currently wearing, these are uh, very old shoes. They used to be white, and now they're gray. Let's be honest, they're slightly yellow, and they, they've, they've seen greater days, and they have some miles on them, and they're old, and they're dirty. I remember as a kid walking into shoe stores. There's a, sh- a few shoe stores that I used to love to go to, and I would just look at the glorious wall of shoes, just all these different color shoes, and love them, love them, love them, different, different, different types and different styles, but man, all a right foot size 10. How many know what I'm talking about? The display model, and, and as I looked at these shoes, many times my heart was like, man, I can't afford that. There's no way I could afford that, but I would go anyway just to dream, just to believe like what could be. And how many know you never know how old and tired your shoes look until you go into a new store wearing your shoes, and then you look at your shoes compared to the new shoes, and you're like, man, my shoes look depressed. My shoes look sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's sad. But good news. My wife and my four daughters, for Christmas, they bought me a brand new pair of white leather shoes. Come on, Adidas, everybody. My Adidas. Amazing, amazing shoes. I just love the smell of them. Oh, my shoe game is back on point. Glory to God. Gave me brand new shoes to wear. I love brand new shoes. How many know that when you get new shoes, you walk different? You don't want to crease them, so you just kind of start walking like this everywhere you go. Going downstairs like this way. Why is it that nobody steps on your old shoes? Has anybody ever found that to be true? They only step on the brand new ones. And that's because haters are going to hate. Hate, hate, hate. That's what they do. You just got to watch it, though. You got to watch it because sometimes they'll, they want to try and step on and ruin the brand new shoes. And you like them crisp. You almost don't even want to wear them. How many like put on a pair of shoes and then when you're done, you put them back in the box they came from? You know what I'm talking about? And then people come up to gr- greet you. 
They don't know how, like, they, they invade the bubble space. They come a little too close, and you're afraid that they're going to step on your shoe. So what do you do? You put your arm out like, hey, how you doing? You can greet me from, right from there. How, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, too. I'm here to tell you, in the same way, the devil has come to try to step on the plans and the new plans that God has for your life. In the same way, he's trying to destroy everything that God has for you. He's trying to step on it and destroy it. And we never know how old and broken our life is until we, we, we come in and we see the plan that God has for us. And then we look at our lives and say, God, my life is, it really is a mess. I really am filled with sin and I need you. But we look at salvation. We look at grace. We look at eternal life. We say, I could never afford that. And I'm here to tell you today, we've got some good news. There's not just a sale going on. It's not just 50% off. It is absolutely free. Somebody paid for it. It was Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful for grace in the house? Jesus paid for it. Like, I didn't, I didn't work for these. I didn't buy it. Well, I probably bought them. <laughs> now that I think about it, I probably did buy these. But salvation, you don't buy. You simply receive what Jesus has already done. And even though the devil has tried to come and step on the plan that God has for your life, this year can be different because God has a plan. He has a future for your life, but you need to learn how to protect your goals. You need to learn how to protect your life and your commitment to Christ. And I'm here to tell you the devil may have stepped on last year. He may have stepped on the year before. But we need to look at the devil and say, not this year, devil. No, 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 not this year. I'm submitting my life to Jesus Christ. I'm giving my life to God. My, the first part of the year is all yours, God, and I'm making some new habits this year. Amen, somebody? Have you ever been depressed when you look at the new, the new year in the future? Almost like you don't even want to make a New Year's resolution. Well, I, want, I want to tell you, you're not alone if you've been there or if you're there right now. Grab your notes or your Bibles and go to Ecclesiastes. We have a guy named Solomon who is extremely depressed. And he writes, meaningless. This is how he starts off his book. Meaningless. Utterly meaningless. And then he goes on to say, everything is meaningless. Like, dude, what is your problem? He starts off his whole book that way. Well, he's telling us how he feels, how mankind feels whenever you lock God out of your life. Like, life does feel pointless. It feels empty. There's no point to it. He goes on to say, in, in verse 3, just really ranting and raving, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. <clears throat> the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back around where it rises again. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning to its course. Watch this. All streams flow to the sea, and yet it's never full. Like that's a, I never thought about that. It's true. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are, he gets to the place where he just says it's wearisome. I'm just so tired of life. So tired of, of the repetitiveness of, repetitiveness of life, and it's just repeating the same thing over and over. It feels like deja vu to me. Nothing changes. All things are wearisome. More than anyone can say. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Then he asks a question. Is there anything which one can say, look, this is new? And he says, nope. It was already here long ago. It's been here already. It was here before our time. And he goes on in chapter 2, verse 17 to say, so depressed that I hated life. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you have sensed life just repeating over and over, deja vu, and you're like, man, what is life all about? There's no point. Well, you can grow to hate life like King Solomon. And he says, because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. Nothing's going to change. It's just repeating over and over. Same thing over, same year over and over again. It's deja vu. How many have ever had a deja vu moment? 
That's kind of weird. You think something like you've, re- you've experienced this before. It's a repeat. The definition is tedious familiarity. Tedious familiarity. Everybody say deja vu. It's French, so we have to say it that way. Deja vu. It, it's, it means already seen. In other words, many times you feel like I've already been there. I've done that. I've seen that. There's nothing new. And I'm here to tell you God wants to change your deja vu into deja nu. He does have a new plan for your life. And I want to read you Isaiah chapter 43 where God is talking. He says, I want you to forget the former things. This is a word for somebody. Forget what's behind you. Don't dwell on the past. Many times we just dwell on the past. We revisit it. We think about it. We mull it over. And then he asks a question. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Uh, Can you see it, though? Can you perceive it? I want to do a new thing inside of you. And I'm making a way in the wilderness, and I'm bringing streams in the desert. Last week, we looked at this in depth and gave you three points. Number one, we told you to forget. You got to forget the past. At some point, we need to let that past go because your past will keep you from your future. You can't wear the new shoes and the old shoes at the same time. If you're going to wear the new shoes, you got to do away with the old shoes. If you wear an old shoe and a new shoe, that's called half-stepping. Some of us want what God has, but we still want what we used to have. And I'm telling you, at some point, you got to take this nasty, old, dirty, stinky shoe off and put on everything that God has for you. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? And when you get a new, new pair of shoes, you walk differently. Well, guess what? When God gives you a new, pair, new life, you also walk differently. You live differently. You talk differently. You don't go where you used to go. You don't act like you used to act because God does something on the inside of your life. Deja new. He wants to do something new inside of you. And he wants you to cooperate with this plan because it's an amazing plan. So what do we do? We got to put him first. God, we want to put you first. We're repenting. We're turning around, turning away from the way we were walking, and we're walking towards you. And then we need to live intentionally. Okay, listen to me. Most people do not live intentionally. They live accidentally. It's like whatever happens in life happens. Whatever. They don't have a plan. There's There's not a purpose for their life. One man says it this way. Craig Rochelle says that everybody ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Everybody ends up somewhere. We're all going to end up somewhere. I want you to end up somewhere on purpose for the glory of God. So we got to think about what are the things in your life you want to obtain? What do you want to do in 2017? Because before you know it, you're, you're growing older. And the older you get, the quicker the years go. Ask anybody that's old. Not me, but older people. <laughs> and one day you're going to be 85 years old. And you're either going to look back on your life in total regret because of the wrong decisions that you've made, or you're going to look back on your life with total fulfillment because you finished the race, you completed the task, and you lived a life that's worthy of the calling of God, and you made a difference. Come on, somebody. That's what we want. We want that part. We want to look back and say, yes, God, I've done everything you've called me to do. You say, awesome, Sean. How do we do that? Well, we need to start some new habits. One man said this a long time ago, that we are what we repeatedly do. Think about that. That's who we are. And Pastor Chris Hodges, who's the spiritual father to my wife and I and to this house, he um, and has heavily influenced this message. He said this, that we form our habits, but our habits form us. Think about the habits, good or bad. You, you form the habits, and then they turn around, and they, they form your life. And I'm here to tell you, 
it's time that we step up with some intentional living. I feel like that's the word for the year for us is intentional. We need to be intentional about our life, but don't worry, God's going to help you. Here's what I need from you. I need you to get rid of all the excuses. Get rid of all of the excuses in your life, and God's going to help you. And I want to encourage you, even thinking about navigating through 2017, what is it that you want to do? Well, let's take this as an exercise. This is your homework assignment for the week. Look in your notes. There's seven letters, seven words that all start with the letter F. The first one is fun. So I want to encourage you to begin to write down what is it that you want to do this year that's fun. And it's okay. You're like, is okay if we have fun? Is, is God fun? Yes. He said he's given us all things for our enjoyment. Yes, he wants us to have some fun. So write down some things that you want to do. Otherwise, life will just happen, and you will live accidentally instead of intentionally. So I want to do some things. Maybe you want to skydive. I've done that twice. It's amazing. You should try it. But, but go with somebody that knows what they're doing. Number two, I want to drive a fast car. I'm not talking like a souped-up Honda. I'm talking about a fast car. Like, I want to vomit on myself. I'm going so fast. <laughs> I want to scream like a little girl at a Justin Bieber concert because we're going so fast. You know what I'm saying? That, ah, I want that kind of car. I want that experience. Another one is your family. What do you want to do for your family this year? If you're married, you ought to date your spouse once a week. On the date night, keep it holy. My wife and I date every, every week, whether it's a dinner or a coffee or a lunch, something every week. And then if you have children, date your, pa- date your kids. Date your kids. Date your daughters. I call them tri- uh, triple D, daddy-daughter dates. Take them out. Show them what it means to, to open the door for them. Give them flowers so that when some bozo brings flowers and promises the world, they're like, that ain't nothing. My dad does that for me all the time. <laughs> if you're a child, you know, student, date your parents. It'll mean the world to them. Mom, I just want to go on a date with you. What? <laughs> Tell your dad, I just want to go on a date with you. I want, I want to go on a date. What? Tell him, Dad, I want to go on a date and I want to pay for it. Oh, what? That'll really blow his mind. Spend time with your family. Spend time with them. And then another one. Write this down. Your faith. What do you want to do to grow in your faith this year? You want to grow in your faith? Well, what does that look like? I want to read my Bible. Great. Download the one-year version Bible and read that 15 minutes a day. You can read through the entire Bible in a year. It's amazing. Well, I want to pray more. Great. We have 21 days of prayer. 6 a.m. prayer, Monday through Friday during the 21 days. And that's been, by the way, amazing here. 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. prayer, we gather in this room, and we just start the day off praying. Giving the Lord the first part of the year, because we believe that whatever you give God the first of, he blesses the rest. So Monday through Friday for the next two weeks, we're here praying. Maybe your fitness. How many want to get in fitness? I mean, get in shape. Some of you are like, no, let's skip that one. (laughs) Well, this is important, and I'll tell you why. Because you are body, soul, and spirit. God gave you a body. My mom said it this way. Pretend that your body is a car you got at 16 years old, and it has to last you the rest of your life. How would you treat it? There are many people who do not finish the race that God has given them. They do not finish and complete the will of God that God has given them because of their bad health. They check out too early. I need you healthy in order to change the world. Amen, everybody. Here's another one. What about your finances? What do you want to do this year? How about a budget? It's a great idea. Most Americans don't have a budget, and they're just, they don't even know where their money goes. For the first two weeks of the month, they're like making it rain. Like, Woo! And the last two weeks, they're like, oh my gosh, we have way too much month at the end of our money. 
We want to help you with that. We have small groups called Financial Peace, and they start February to help you budget and learn how to do all that. But maybe you're here and you're like, man, I want to tithe in my finances. God said to do that. It's his, so we give him the first 10%. And maybe you're ready to take the the three-month challenge to tithe for three months, and I believe God will bless you. If if you can't say God has blessed you in some way, we'll give you all your money back from that tithe. Read the instructions. I'm telling you, we want to help you honor and put God first. What about this one? What about your future? It's never too early to start thinking about your future. Teenagers, young people, 20s, it's never too early. The problem is we think about our future too late. And let's just say like you're, you're planning for your future retirement. Don't wait until you're 40, 50 years old. Start when you're 18. Get a Roth IRA, R-O-T-H-I-R-A, Roth IRA. Start putting a little bit of money away, whatever you can afford, every month. And I'm telling you, the compound interest that will grow over the years is so much larger than a guy who is 40 years old. He would never, even if he put in more money, he couldn't catch up to the 18-year-old who put in less because of the compound interest. Like, think about this. Think about the future. So this is an exercise. Take some things in your life, write down what you think the goals would be, and then do this for your professional life. Do this for your spiritual life. And write them down and think about what God wants to have you do. We coach a lot of churches and we coach uh, pastors. And by the way, we planted three churches today. Three more churches are launching today in America. I can't wait to hear the text messages of how, what they say. We're coaching them and, and training them and, and resourcing them. But I find that when we coach churches, and there's several churches that are coming in here in a couple months, we're going to coach them and train them to go launch churches in America. But I teach them this, that every church finds itself in one of three categories, one of three modes, if you will. And I was thinking about it this week that every life is in one of these three modes as well. Number one, write this down. We might be in survival mode. Survival mode is not fun. It's where you, you're dying. You are just barely keeping your head above water. It's like Psalm 69, Psalm 73 type stuff in the Bible where the, the floodwaters are up to your neck. But then, and by the way, when you're dying in that place, you can't think about the future. You can't think about vision. All you're thinking about is surviving. And then the second area is, is maintaining mode. This is maintaining mode. You're just, it's just maintenance. You also can't think about the future because you're just busy keeping the plate spinning and, and just maintaining life. Well, God doesn't want you there either. He doesn't want you just surviving or maintaining. He wants you in this third one, which is the growth mode, where you literally are growing. And how many know that healthy things grow? So we want the health of our soul to grow. We want our life to grow. And you say, well, great. Well, what do I need for that? You need to see it. You need to see what God wants to do in you. In Habakkuk chapter 2, we have a guy who is in chaos. The nation is in turmoil, very much like today. And he says, I will stand at my watch station myself and position myself on the rampart. So he's climbing up into the watchtower, Habakkuk chapter 1 says. And then he says this, I will look to see. Everybody shout see. And I will see what he, meaning God, will say to me. Not here, but I want to see what he's going to say to me. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that they may run who reads it. Look at me, everybody. Passion comes back into your life when you, write this down, dream again. When you can see it. When you can see it. And I know a lot of dreams have died. I'm praying that Jesus, who is the resurrection and he is the life, would resurrect dreams today in the mighty name of Jesus. But you got to see some things. Pray, dream, see some things, and, and don't live in the urgency of just running from one emergency to another to another. You need to dream. Take some time to dream. 
Because a lot of people who are up in years begin to say, man, I'm, I'm living a life of regret because I had some dreams. I had some, some things I felt like God wanted me to accomplish, but then life got busy and life got in the way. And pretty soon it pushed all of my dreams and priorities out of the way. And, and now I'm here at the end of my life and I haven't done what I wanted to do because I got caught up in survival mode and maintaining mode. I'm telling you, you need to dream. And one of the definitions of dream is this. It is an unrealistic hope. Oh, that's a great definition of a dream. It's an unrealistic hope. I know if you're in the marketplace, you're in the, the workforce, many times you might have had this person, a motivational speaker, come by and teach you the SMART goals. You need to have SMART goals, SMART goals, SMART goals. And SMART is a teaching of, of an acronym of, of five things, S-M-A-R-T. SMART stands for specific. You need to have specific goals. And then M is for, for memorable, or measurable goals. And, and then A is for attainable. R is for relevant. And T is for time-bound. And that's good, I guess, for some of the workplace. That's good. Have some smart goals. But can I tell you, as men and women of faith, we ought to invite God into the picture. We ought to believe God for greater things, not just for what's attainable. We ought to believe God for the impossible. Many people just dream too small. They dream dreams that they can attain by themselves and in themselves because they want to be realistic and they're too scared to dream. I'm telling you, there ought to be a faith inside of your life that rises up to believe God can do more and dream some crazy dreams, some big dreams, some outstanding dreams, the kind of dreams that are only going to happen if God shows up. Come on, because we, after all, we are talking about the King of Kings, and we are talking about the Lord of Lords. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the maker of life and the sustainer of life. And according to Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says he can do exceedingly and abundantly and above all we could ask or think according to his power that works inside of us. I want you to dream in 2017. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. amen. Dream. Dream. Begin to dream again. Pick up the dream. Ask God what he wants for your life and dream. You say, well, what do I do with them? Well, you see them first. You got to see them first and then write this down. You need to write them down. <laughs> How many wrote that down? <laughs> write them down. Habakkuk was told by God, write the vision down. You got to see it and then write it down. Dreamless are great, but they're not just goals. These are my hopes. And then keep yourself spiritually healthy. We have the 21-day fast going on. If you haven't jumped in, jump in with us. Listen to last week's message, and we'll teach you how to fast. Show up to prayer, 6 a.m. prayer if you can, or Thursday night at 7.30. We have worship nights there. Read your Bible. Find a church that you can, you say, man, this is our tribe. Give the church a one-year challenge. I guarantee you your life will be better. Take the, take the things we give you on Sundays. Apply it to your life. Go through the growth track which starts the first Sunday of every month, 10.15 or 5.15, either one that will fit your schedule. And then get on our dream team, start serving, and get in a small group. I guarantee you, at the end of the year, your life will be better because God's word just works. It just works. So keep yourself spiritually healthy and watch as you grow. Because I'm telling you, when you write your dreams down, and then you need to look at them once a week. My daughters have their dream list on their bed wall, like right there on the wall. So when they wake up, they see it. Don't just, don't just write it down and forget it. Read it. Keep it before you. I have some dreams that are attainable, and then I have some dreams that are crazy. Like, like you need to write those down. I want you to write down some dreams and dream some dreams like, like if you shared them with other people, they would laugh at you because you told them. Doesn't matter. Write them down. 
It's important. Believe God for more and greater things because he wants to use you to be a blessing. It's not just for us. It's to be a blessing. Now, remember this, that inspiration is not enough. How many have ever inspired, been inspired to, to get in shape? Oh, it's a lazy church. Can't even raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of you. There's a lot of you. Let's say this. Let's say I get inspired this year to get in shape. And so what do I do? My New Year's resolution is to buy a gym membership. That's good. That's a good resolution. And then 2018, the year next year, my, my New Year's resolution is going to be to go to the gym. There's a lot of people who have gym memberships that have never seen the light of day. You need to have more than an inspiration. You need a plan. I've heard it said that 60% of Americans do not have a goal. Think about that. 60% of Americans don't have a goal in life. They're just kind of going through life like whatever. And out of the 40% of people that have goals, only 3% of them have written them down. And studies, like researchers were were curious, like what makes these successful people successful? Because the 3% of people that we would look at, they are successful in the world's eyes. And they say, well, what's the difference? What's the common thread or denominator? And the only thing they could think about was this. They said the only thing that separates them from other people is that they have goals and they wrote them down. Think about that. That is a 3,000-year-old principle that God gave us in Habakkuk. Write the vision down. Have a bucket list. Have some things you want to do on your life, in your life. And I have some dreams. I only share about 10% of my dreams with you or other people. And don't come up to after church and be like, hey, what's the other 90? I'm not telling you. <laughs> not everybody will understand the dreams. Some people will laugh at you. I don't care. Write them down. Because you never know. If God shows up and answers some of those dreams, it's going to blow your mind. Because with eyes of faith, I need you to see some stuff. I need you to see what's not in your current reality. Like Joshua and Caleb went up to the land. Remember that story in the Bible? And there's 10 spies, spies and, and 10 of them were there. And 10 of them saw the same thing. Only two saw past the majority to see, yes, God, you can do a miracle. The other, the other guys were like, no, nope, there's no way. It's impossible. I know it's impossible. But God is here. Come on. Believe God for more this year. You need to envision it before you see it. And I want to live in God's reality, not mine. So how do we do this? God has to be first. He's got to be first. This is priority number one. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge God. And here's what he promises. He says, I'll make the crooked path straight. I'll make the path straight. How many could use that for 2017? We need God. We need to do steps A through C. And then Paul comes in Ephesians, and he says this, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be so enlightened that you could know the hope to which God has called you to. I don't want to just live according to my brain. I want to live according to faith. I want to live according to what God can do in my life. And in Joel chapter 2, not in your notes, but Joel's, they're recording and God says, listen, in the last days, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody, not just a man, not just a woman. Everybody is getting my spirit. I want everybody to do this. And he says, my, my sons and daughters, they'll prophesy. Old men, they'll dream dreams. Young men, they'll see visions. You say, well, how do I know if I'm getting old? Or if you're dreaming. <laughs> Prophecy, dreams, visions. Prophecy, dreams, visions. You need to start seeing something that is not in your current reality. You need to see it. 
That's what in Habakkuk chapter 1, he said, I climbed up to the watchtower to see what the Lord would say. He didn't say to hear. He said, I want to see it. Sometimes when God speaks, it comes in the form of a picture, a word. It's always in his Bible. That's how he primarily speaks. But sometimes it's a vision. And I'm praying that you begin to see this. Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong Church in Australia, he preached a message years ago entitled, The Church I See. And this was in a time when our church was struggling. And when my wife and I heard that, we began to write down the church that we saw. Now listen, this is in a time where I felt stuck as a leader. This is in a time where our church was stuck as a church. We felt like God had so much more in us, like he wanted us to reach so, much more, so many more people. But our church was about 300, and it had been that for years. And that was a moment, not many people know this, but I was praying, Lord, I think we should quit. I think we should throw in the towel. And in that moment, in faith, I mustered up enough faith to speak out what was not in my current reality. I said, God, our church is healthy. Our church is strong. Our church is vibrant. Our church is influential. I see thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ to find hope and healing. And now look what the Lord has done. It all started with a dream. Kind of reminds me of somebody else in history called Martin Luther King. He says, I have a dream. And tomorrow morning, we're celebrating that day as we're doing a walk, walk the dream. We're starting right at the community center, and I want to invite you to participate with us. 9 a.m., we're going to walk from there holding signs that say, unity, we love our city, we're better together in honor of that dream. And we're going to walk from the community center all the way up to Lowe's, maybe by a drill or something, and then come back and walk back to the community center. You say, why are you doing that? Because it's symbolic. We're walking, we're stepping out there, and other churches are joining us, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Filipino, and when the world can't get along, we're saying Jesus Christ is the one who bonds our hearts together. Come on. I believe with all of my heart, God is trying to get us to see. He wants us to see it. So many people are so busy, but they're bored. It's repetitive, same thing, every day, every year. And you don't even get him motivated to, to do anything for the New Year's resolutions because you're like, nothing's going to change. It's deja vu. And I'm here to tell you the definition of, of weary, of tiresome, of boredom is this. It means that you make, to make weary or make dull because of repetition. And sometimes we get stuck in routine, and it's, it's the bad routine. There's good routine, and there's bad routine. And what you need today to break out of that boredom of life is you need some vision. You need a reason to get up in the morning. You need a reason to get your, your nails done and your hair done and your clothes on. You need a reason that you're chasing after a vision in 2017, something in Jesus' name, a purpose in which God has created you. You need this in your life because we have a generation that is so bored right now. With more stuff to do and more access to get places, they are so bored and they are wasting so much time. Write this down. Don't waste any more time. Don't waste time. It's easy to waste time. It's easy to think, oh, there's other things I could be doing. But Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6 says, make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Every opportunity that God gives you, every day God gives you, is an opportunity. Seize that moment, man. Take advantage of that. I believe with all my heart, it's mission critical. You need to, don't waste time. See it. See it. See it. See what God wants to do. 
you read Habakkuk chapter 1, it's eerie because it sounds like today. It sounds like ISIS. Read chapter 1 of Habakkuk. It sounds exactly like what we're facing with ISIS right now. And God's answer was to bring a group of people who could see. I'm praying that God would stir up your prophetic edge to be able to speak out what's not in our current reality. That speaks out, here's what I see. Here's what's going to happen, but here's what we're going to do. Listen, as the world is in chaos, we say, yes, the world is in chaos, and here's what's going to happen. They're going to try to fix it themselves, but it's not going to work. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to point people to Jesus. We're going to reach people with the love of God. We're going to see them know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's what we're going to do. We need to see it. We need some people who can see it. Prophets in the Old Testament, they came into chaos to bring clarity, and they called them seers. We need to be able to see again what God wants to do in our nation and in this city. And that's part of our heart of of this church. We want to help you see your potential. We want to help you see what God's purpose is for your life. And so that growth track is not just a class. It really is a launching pad to a journey. We want to take you on a journey. We want to help you discover your purpose so you can make a difference. And 202 people started that journey last week, and they're going to go through it and get on the dream team so that they can see it. Because many people don't have a dream, but God has one for you. Here's the danger of dreams. Danger of goals is they're always in the future. They're always someday. Yeah, just I think I want to learn how to play the piano. You've been saying that since you were 15. You're 67. Like at some point, you got to put some skin on this, man. You got to get some, get some goals and some plans. And so I want to encourage you, that it's, don't just say someday I'm going to do this, someday I'm going to do that. Make someday today. Make someday today, like right now. What are you going to do starting today? Get a dream, write it down, and then ask God, what are the how-to steps on how to get there? What do I need to do? These are now, now goals, now now. Uh, steps for tomorrow goals. And John Maxwell puts it this way. He says, have the rule of five. The rule of five is choose things that help you get to where you want to go and do them every day. Don't do them all day. Just do them every day. So you want to work out? Awesome. Do it every day. Well, I can't do that. I can't go to the gym. No, I didn't say go to the gym every day. I said just work out every day. You can do push-ups during commercials. You can do jumping jacks in the kitchen. Just don't miss a day. Well, you want to read your Bible through the year. Well, don't read all day. Just don't miss a day. You create these habits in your life. Five things. So five things I do every day. And this is, again, motivated by Chris Hodges. But here's what I learned to do. I want to spend time with God every day. Every day. So I wake up in the morning, my time immediately. Bible, prayer, every day. And then I want to read the Bible. Number two, I want to read the Bible and archive stuff. So I'm taking notes. I'm archiving. I'm taking, I'm learning. And number three, I want to love those closest to me. I want to love every day. I want them to feel loved by me. Number four, I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to do something. I'll send an encouraging text to somebody. I want somebody else's life to be enriched by me every day. And then I want to take care of me. I want to do something that I like every day. I need to work out. I need to golf. Glory to God. Come on, all the golfers say good amen. I need to do something as much as possible for me. But I'm last. I'm, very, I'm, I'm the last on the list, but I want that in there. And I'm telling you, you do this, the rule of five, now steps for tomorrow goals, you will get there, man. God's helping you. He wants to help you. I'm speaking not to where you are, but to where I feel like God wants you to go. Don't just think, well, this is where I'm stuck. I want to build some faith in you to believe God for more because there is a war going on inside of your life. And here's the war. Every year at the New Year's, it's, it's highlighted. 
It's the war of the life you're currently living versus the life you could be living. That's the war. We as a church, we as a people, have got to move past that. And so we're going to dream. We're going to write them down. We're going to make someday, today. We're not going to waste time. And then write this last one down. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, 8% of New Year's resolutions make it to February. That's pretty sad. Only 8% make it to February. Well, God wants you to last longer than that. God has a purpose, but he also has a process. You need to fall in love with the process because God wants to do something amazing. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 says this. We glory in suffering. Yeah, I didn't say amen either. (laughs) Paul, what are you talking about? This guy's Paul. He's writing the Bible. We glory in suffering? What are you saying? We glory in tribulation? We glory in failure? Suffering? I don't think so. But it's true. We can glory in suffering how? Because we know something. We know what suffering produces. Suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint because of the love of Almighty God. Listen, I'm here to tell you, we can grow even in hard times. We can grow even from failure. Think about it. Think about the video games many of you played growing up. The only reason you beat the level was because you failed. You died, came back, learned from that mistake, and beat the level. You might have failed last year, but I'm praying that you don't quit in Jesus' name, that you come back and beat the level. You beat this year. This is our year. God has crowned the year with his goodness. His paths drip with abundance. Can somebody say amen? Amen. There's going to be some repetition, though. You're like, I get stuck in routine. Not all routine is bad. Joshua chapter 6, we have the people marching around Jericho because God said, hey, I'm giving you this city. It's yours. But but look at at Joshua 6. It says, it was shut. The gates of Jericho were securely shut. It's impossible. God's like, I'm giving it to you. And then they look at it. It doesn't look like it, God. Yeah, it's yours. It's shut, like really shut. They've armed guards. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've given it to you. It's yours. It wasn't their current reality, but it was getting ready to be. He told them this. I want you to march around the city one time a day for six days and be quiet. Joshua told him, don't, don't raise your voices. Don't say a word. Six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. Let's read. Joshua 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely shut. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see? Like I'm trying to get you to see something, Joshua. I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with the king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times just as they had done before. Just as they had done before. Just like they did six days previously, except on that day, they cried out to the city and they marched around seven times, shouted, and the walls came down. Listen to me. There's a lot of points that can come out and be extrapolated from this story. They marched around at six days quiet. Have you ever wondered why they couldn't say anything? I don't know. The Bible doesn't clarify, but here's my guess at it. My stab in the dark is I don't think God wanted them to say anything of complaining or or speaking doubt into the situation because doubt always comes in the process. You know where you are. You know where you want to be. And the moment you you take a step in that direction, doubt comes. 
voices of doubt. So you can't do that. You Remember your past? Who do you think you are? I'm telling you, you need to sometimes just march and be quiet. Just understand, God, I'm not going to say anything of doubt. I'm not going to critique. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not saying anything negative. We never critique on Sundays at this church. Did you know that? It's illegal for anybody at our church to come to me and critique on a Sunday. That takes the fun out of it. We focus on wins. Did you hear that family? They just, their whole family got saved. This marriage just got saved. This lady put a crutch on the altar at prayer this week and said God healed her instantaneously. I mean, we focus on all that stuff, and Mondays we deal with, let's critique. Many of our lives would be very much benefited by us stop complaining and speaking doubt and just believing what God said. I'm preaching again 45% better than you're saying amen. Good preaching, Sean. I'll amen myself. God wants to do something new in you. He wants to do something great in you. And on the seventh day, they walked around just as they had done before. They could have said, man, nothing's going to change. This is the same as yesterday. We did this on Tuesday and nothing happened. We did this on Monday. Still the same. They could have done that, but they got up and walked around seven times on the seventh day. And then they shouted. I wonder if what would happen if God's people got a shout back in the camp. I know some of y'all come from a quiet church. I'm telling you, heaven is not going to be quiet. Heaven's going to be a loud place. A place where we are singing praises to God. God has done so much in our life. And when we shout, I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of shouting at some football games. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God wants to do something so amazing. Then when we shout at a football game, we're shouting in hopes that our team wins. But when we shout for God, it's not hoping that we win. We're shouting because we know we win. Come on, God is on the throne. He is, a, he is all by himself. He is great and greatly to be praised. We love him, and he has a plan for your life. And when they shouted, the walls started to fall down flat before them, and every single one of them walked straight in. They weren't climbing over rubble. The Bible says the walls fell down flat in front of them. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that the walls of impossibility in your life come falling down in 2017, and you walk right in to possess everything that God has for your life. Come on, take three seconds and clap your hands and praise God for that. I'm believing it. Can you see it? Can you see it? You need to dream about this. Write it down. Don't quit. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in doing well or good because at the right time, if you don't quit, you will reap a harvest. But the trick is don't give up. Turn and tell somebody, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You, some of you need to hear that. Don't give up. Not today. This is a year of intention. This is a year of walking with intentionality. Seven times, though? Seven days? And then on seven days, seven times? Sometimes you have to go through repetition to get your desired results. Sometimes you have to go through a routine in order to build a new habit. And I'm telling you, you're in process right now, but wait till you come out. Turn and tell the person you didn't talk to the last time, say, I'm in process right now. <laughs> but wait till I come out. Oh, you, you wait till you see me. Wait till I come out. Wait till the dreams come to become a reality. Wait till God does something amazing through my life. Wait till I become confident in who I am and find hope and purpose. Come on. Wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. Wait until that happens. You need to, you need to be able to see it. Sometimes if you want something good, it takes repetition. You want those triple chocolate fudge brownies after the fast? You're going to have to stir that batter over and over again. 
On the other side, you want to get in shape? You're going to have to go to the gym over and over again. You want to grow spiritually? You're going to have to read your Bible over and over again. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes you have to go through repetition. Sometimes you have to go through deja vu in order to get deja nu. Sometimes you have to go through some new habits, starting some new habits. Get them in your life. Write this last one down. You need to find your why. Find your why. What's your motivation? You want to get in shape? Why? Some of you are like, because my, my wife told me I had to. <laughs> no, that's not good. Want to get healthy? Why? So I can actually live long enough to fulfill the call of God on my life. So I can, I can be there for my kids and grandkids. That's a good motivation. What's the motivation for us collectively as a church? 1 Corinthians 10, the last verse. Whatever you do, Paul said, eat, drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is not just for us. We're here to honor Jesus. This is not just for us. We're here to honor God. And some people make goals that aren't in God's will and they become distractions. But finding your why will help you know how to say no to distractions. You gotta, you gotta learn to say no to some stuff. Good habits, forming good habits. It comes from motivation, discipline, habit. Motivation becomes a discipline, becomes a habit. Motivation, discipline, habit. What's your motivation? I want to glorify God. That becomes your, your motivation. Then you start to discipline yourself to do that on a regular basis. Write them down. Do it. Pretty soon it's a habit. You know, there's some things in my life that's, that's a habit. I don't even have to encourage myself anymore, like brushing my teeth. I never have to wake up in the morning like, hey, let me just get encouraged to brush my teeth today. I brush my teeth every morning. Come on, how many thank God for toothpaste? Toothpaste. Let's clap our hands for Crest, everybody. Clap your hands for Colgate. Thank God for toothpaste. Can you imagine a world without toothpaste? Hey, how are you doing? I never understand like, why, why people with bad breath always want, feel like they got to tell you a secret. Hey, come here. You have to tell a child, brush your teeth. You don't have to tell an adult. Why? It's become a habit. We are motivated, disciplined, it's a habit. Same thing in your life, any area of your life. Motivation, discipline, habit. Having said all this, this is not some self-help message for you to become a better version of you. This is for you to become all that God has called you to be. He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan. He told Habakkuk, write the vision down so that he who reads it can run. I'm praying that you read it and run, read and run. Last week, we had a Nintendo, a retro Nintendo on stage as a prop, an illustration. And I began to think this week about some of those old school games like Zelda and Mega Man and Ninja Turtles and all that stuff. And there there were automatic characters in those games. I don't know if you remember this. Automatic characters in the games who just did the same thing. Just very repetitive over and over and over again. Very limited. That's all they did. Very boring. That's them in the game. And then there was you. It was you. You you were the one who went on the epic journeys. You're the one who went on the, the incredible adventures. You're the one who beat levels. That's you. 
Many people in life feel like the automatic characters. Just go to work, come home, go to work, come home, go to work, come home. And they're not living. There's no excitement. They're bored. It's repetitive. It's deja vu. I'm telling you, you are not destined to live a a repetitive life of deja vu. But in Jesus' name, God's going to make all things brand spanking new. It's deja new time. Come on. We're going to forget what's behind us. We're going to put God first. We're going to live intentionally. And he will change deja vu into deja new for the glory of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that, let's clap our hands and say a good amen.